space. The final frontier. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Yeah, we haven't talked about space in a while. We're going to have a little space segment here. Yesterday, astronomers um, managed to find three near-Earth asteroids. NEAs, including one that's about a mile wide, a kilometer and a half wide, they were all hiding in the blinding glare of our own sun. So these asteroids, uh, all of them, would be more than big enough to do catastrophic damage should they collide with a planet, including good old Earth. But... Good news here. There is currently no predicted close approaches between any of them and our planet, at least not in the foreseeable future. I was kind of surprised that astronomers have discovered and cataloged thousands of near-Earth asteroids. Okay, that makes sense. But we have blind spots, particularly asteroids that uh, are in close to the sun, or at least are, you know, in the glare of the sun from our vantage point. Um, and you might remember the one that exploded over Russia in 2013. You saw the dash cam footage. Uh, that one was a previously undiscovered asteroid that came from behind the sun, taking astronomers by surprise. So interesting story yesterday. Another interesting story is some asteroids that we were able to sort of track, at least what happened, what they did, and some of the uh, impacts that they had. This was on Mars, two of them. And um, two of the biggest meteor strikes ever recorded, and we had an opportunity to sort of study them and analyze. Well, we didn't, but I got a guy who did, Bruce Bannert of NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and the lander's chief scientist took part in these studies um, with NASA. Bruce, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Well, I'm glad to be here. So we're basically talking about two NASA spacecraft that have been monitoring Mars that recorded this. First of all, what spacecraft are we talking about? There's a rover, I know about that, but there's more? Yeah, well, the, the, if you have a spacecraft on the surface, which is not a rover, it just uh, sits in the same place. It's called InSight. Okay. Uh, and that's one of the, the uh, spacecraft that we use to uh, study this, these, these, uh, these impacts. And the other one is an orbiter that's been in orbit around Mars for 16 years now. It's called Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, or we just call it MRO for short. Gotcha. Okay, so the meteor strikes, when did they occur? Like, when did this happen? Well, the first one that we found out about actually occurred last Christmas Eve, uh, December 24th of, la of, of uh, 2021. Um, and uh, one of the, th the instruments we have on this lander is a seismometer. It's actually the main instrument we have on there, and we're uh, using it to uh, uh, record Mars quakes and uh, understand more about the geological activity and structure of Mars. So we saw this, what we thought was a Mars quake, you know, it's a, you know, the, the ground was, was shaking and wiggling, and we recorded it uh, on, the, on the spacecraft and sent the information back down to, to, to Earth. And at that point, that was one of the largest, I think it was the third, second or third largest Mars quake that we'd seen. And we were pretty happy about that, and we were, you know, doing our little studies on it. And then um, a couple of months later, completely independently, uh, some of the scientists on, on MRO were taking some pictures of Mars, and they saw a crater, or there wasn't a crater before. Sometimes they take a picture of the same area twice um, to get uh, stereo uh, photos. They take it from two different angles, and they can make a 3D uh, picture of the surface. So uh, they had taken a picture about a year ago, and then they came back again and took another picture, and there was a 500-foot, <laughs> 150-meter crater uh, where there wasn't one before. Um, oh. 
And they said, wow, that's that's a big one. They'd never seen one that big that it actually happened. They'd seen ones that were, you know, maybe uh, 20, maybe even 50 meters across the biggest, but never a 150-meter one. Um, and so they said, well, this is so big that we might be able to see it with one of our other cameras. They have another camera that takes uh, a, a global picture every day. It, uh, they take, take a, a few strips for, for weather uh, prediction on Mars. They actually do have a weather satellite on Mars, just like at the Earth. And they say, okay, they look through that, and it was big enough that they could actually see it on their weather, uh, their weather image. And they could see it, was, uh, it wasn't there on uh, December 23rd, and it was there on the December 24th. So they knew that it had happened, you know, in that one-day yeah. period. And they remembered that they'd heard, uh, you know, uh, a report from the, from the Insight team about this, this uh, Mars quake that had happened at the same time. And they said, oh, wow, that's you know, that's a really big coincidence, or this is something really interesting. So uh, the two teams contacted each other, and uh, the, uh, the, 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 Mars, the, the seismologist on InSight had an estimate of the location of their, their Mars quake. They could, they could tell from the, the uh, analyzing the, the signal, you know, where it had come from, you know, within a few hundred kilometers. Uh, and that turned out to be right on top of where this crater was. And so uh, wow. they did some more looking at the information, and uh, finally were able to convince themselves and, and um, everybody else that, that this was the same thing. What can we learn from the data that you just talked about? First of all, do we know how big these meteors were? Do we know, I mean, does that tell us what we need to prepare for down here on Earth? I mean, what do we do with this information that we've gleaned? Well, what it's, what it's helping us to do is, is learn about how often these uh, these asteroids, small asteroids or large meteorites uh, hit Mars. And that's helps us to understand the, the distribution across the solar system. We actually measure these things coming into Earth's atmosphere all the time. There's, you know, hundreds or thousands of them that, that come into the Earth's atmosphere and they burn up. Um, in fact, this one we think was somewhere between, oh, five and, and, and maybe 20 meters across, five, five to 15 meters that's across. That's a fair size. That's a fair size, yeah. And uh, that's, that's what it takes to make, you know, uh, a, a crater the size of a, of a football stadium, right? Yeah. So, but on the Earth, it probably would have burned up. In fact, they think that that's about the size of that uh, that fireball that you were talking about that uh, that occurred over Russia a, a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, so the Earth actually it protects us from a lot of these things, uh, but uh, something something bigger, the kinds of uh, of uh, asteroids that uh, you're talking about. Also, in the, the earlier segment, they were hiding in the Earth's glare. Um, those will punch right through the atmosphere. But so we're just trying to understand the distribution of these objects uh, throughout the solar system, so that we can understand more, you know, what the risks are to Earth and and in in the future, you know, when astronauts go to Mars, what the risks are there. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And you make a good point because the atmosphere on Mars is so much thinner than it is on Earth. What happens there is probably way more severe than what would happen with the exact same projectile here down on Earth, right? Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Bruce, I, I thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. It was my pleasure. Thank you, sir. That is Bruce Bannard, who uh, is with NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Chief scientist on that Mars lander he was talking about. How cool is that, hey? Uh, and he took part in these studies. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.